open your Bibles with you this morning, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can see we'll be looking at verses 12 through 14. Going to be a long one, guys. Not really. <laughs> the game starts at 530. Is that right? You got time. <laughs> Today we're dealing with the idea of developing what you've been given. Remember, we're in this series, God Told Me. So, when it comes to our abilities and gifts, what would God tell us? Develop what you've been given. So, we're going to talk about those things today. Talking about spiritual gifts and abilities and who can do what and how they should do it and so on and so forth. It's not as simple as it should be. We make it hard sometimes, but as always, God instructs. As always, we pray an opportunity to gain an audience with the Father. God stops everything to hear you when you pray. I don't know how that works, but we trust him. He says, when we pray, he hears. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, he's with us, he's listening, and we have an audience with the King. So today, I'll give you a few moments to pray silently where you're seated. I'll close, and then we'll look at this passage together. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning again for your gifts to us. You are generous. You provide for us. We eat and we sleep comfortably in this great nation. We have everything. We see the news reports of how things are in the world and we are forced to realize how good things are here. Thank you. We thank you for your blessings, for this life that we have in Christ. We thank you, Father, for not only loving us and forgiving us, but for instructing us and teaching us how to live. We pray for wisdom, that we would hear your word and follow it, that we'd apply your teachings to the way we live our lives. We ask for blessings on us, on those we love, on this great nation. Father, we come to you in prayer knowing we are a sinful people, even at our best, we're tainted. We are sometimes selfish and filled with lust, at other times inconsiderate of others, sometimes simply unthinking. Be merciful to us, Father. Cleanse us as only you can. Help us transform our lives, change our hearts, gain control of our lives and our hearts and minds and, and our tongues. We pray today, Father, that you would be with those that have power over us, our elected leaders. Give them wisdom and guidance and discernment. It seems as if our nation is near as secure as we thought. We ask for wisdom. We ask for the ability to see our flaws and correct them. We thank you, Father, for your protections. We thank you for this great nation. Help us to care for it. 
as I said, those in positions of power. Give them wisdom. The ability to work together with those who disagree. We pray for safety, security, and your continued blessings. Father, we've watched this week of those in Turkey are continuing to dig out after multiple earthquakes and tremors. Give them comfort. Help them to see beyond this present suffering. Guide their leaders that they might help their people. Help us to give what we can. Help them as they rebuild. We continue to pray for peace in Ukraine and other nations. We pray for leaders to willingly call for theirs to lay down their arms and work together. Father, I could go on. It's obvious we need your help. We cannot do this alone. Help us today. Teach us from your word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Show of hands, how many of you have ever given a gift to someone? We've all done it. The idea of a gift is not only that you would bring a smile on their face, but that they would enjoy that gift and use that gift and hopefully wear it out. When I give my kids or grandkids toys, I hope they wear it out and break it somewhere down the road. And if it's sold at a garage sale for 50 cents, I don't care after they've gained their pleasure from it. But when we give gifts, we want people to use it. What seemed like a lifetime ago, my girls were young, and they wanted a piano. And doesn't every child want a piano? We resisted. I grew up in a home filled with pianos and knew what that would mean. Endless nights of plinking, fights over practice, stacks of music. It's all true. It's worth it. Sometimes. We finally relented, and Tammy remembers this, we had this discussion. We finally bought a really nice electronic piano. Not a big fancy thing, but a nice one. The daughters were thrilled. We secured the services of a teacher. We spent a lot of money on that teacher. She was gracious and patient. Very nice. Took our money. The first year was wonderful. My daughters found middle C. They learned to play scales. Plinking was loud and secure and we loved it. Because we knew that they would grow up to be, if not wonderful musicians, at least people that could play and serve in church and do those things like grandma and all those kinds of things. Now, I don't play the piano because I showed my mama, the piano teacher. I showed her by not learning. Ha ha. So I knew that my daughters would not make the mistake that I made. We bought them this piano. They promised they would practice and learn to become and make us proud. And all the joy of music and of playing music and all those kinds of things. And we wanted them to use that piano and hopefully wear it out. And the stacks of music I would have tolerated well. And I would have bought them a bigger piano for the big room and all those kinds of things had they done something with it. But it was not to be. Like I said, we gave it away later. I wasn't disappointed in them, really, because I'm very proud of my daughters. They're wonderful kids. Grew up to be good women. But I was disappointed for them because they lost something when the gift that they had been given wasn't used. A lot of us parents have done that. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have bought guitars or pianos or flutes or some kind of instrument, hoping that your child would become a prodigy or at least learn to play something. We've all done that. 
So many of us have tried those kinds of things. Go on Craigslist and look for used pianos and used guitars. They are literally a dime a dozen, all sold by well-meaning parents just like me. Just didn't happen. So I was thinking about that this week when I began to work on this sermon talking about God's gifts to us. God wants us to do what we can and he tells us, develop what you've been given. That's what he would say to us if we could look us in the face. Develop the gifts you've been given. And I wonder if maybe God felt or feels a little bit like I felt when I finally gave that piano away. Not disappointed in my children whom I love, but disappointed for them because they lost something. And the gift that was given with good intentions was, well, it was just wasted. I think God might feel that way. Well, today we're going to talk about God's gifts to us. God's gifts come in so many forms. We're going to speak specifically about spiritual gifts. Now, for those of you that may not understand fully, spiritual gifts are gifts that you receive as a Christian. God works in your life and he gives you particular abilities, helps you to find within yourself the ability to do something you didn't know or takes what you have and uses it for his kingdom. Those are spiritual gifts. And we're also going to talk about the other kinds of gifts we receive. Music gifts. The gift of music, the gift of intellect, the gift of physical ability. In fact, we're wearing red today because we know of a team full of gifted athletes, right? I mean, they are. All those guys, whether the kicker or the thrower or the passer or the big beefy guy that runs into people for a living, those are gifted athletes, aren't they? They're not just run-of-the-people, run-of-the-mill weightlifters and things like that. They are gifted. So today when we talk about gifts, we talk about spiritual gifts, but I want to acknowledge also those abilities that people have that they've worked on and developed. Sometimes spiritual gifts. At other times, intellectual and physical gifts. Follow along with me if you would. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Chapters 12 through 14 are a section of passages which deal with spiritual gifts. And they were precious, given by God, and were causing lots of problems. Chapter 12, I'll read the first 11 verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another the various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. On screen is a, a, one of those primary truths from this passage. I usually look at a passage and try to get the main idea. 
And one of the main ideas from this whole section is that God has gifted those he loves for service. He gives us gifts for service. Not just so you can be happy. Using gifts that you've been given does bring joy and happiness to your life. But that's not the only point. In fact, the primary reason that God gives gifts and abilities and those kinds of things is so that you can serve his kingdom and you can serve other people. That's the goal. You were created as servants. Not to diminish our personhood or autonomy or anything like that. There is nothing negative about serving others when it's your choice. God calls us to be servants. A little bit about the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was a crazy place. Think of the most bizarre marketplace you can imagine. That was the city of Corinth. It was a crossroads of several interstates before they called them interstates. People from all over the world lived there. There was a whole lot of money in Corinth. Gazillions of dollars flowed through that city. Lots of political power. Lots of smart people there. The upper crust lived at Corinth. It was a beautiful place. In ancient cultures, there was the very wealthy, then there was the working class, and then there was everybody else. In Corinth, there was a whole lot of everybody else's. People from all over the world lived there. Mixed races, a lot of different ethnic groups, a lot of different religions, and all those kinds of things. And in the middle of that city was this thriving and vibrant Christian church. And we don't know how many campuses they had. We just don't know that. But there was a large group of people that were Christians in Corinth. And of course, God wanted there to be churches in Corinth because that's where people from all over the world traveled. They would come there and live for a while and do business. And the idea was that Christians in the church at Corinth would lead people to faith, they would follow Jesus, and then they would go back home eventually and take their faith with them. And that was God's plan to spread the gospel. So this church was really important. It was important to Paul. It was important to God. He wanted that church to thrive. So he gifted that church with people, with spiritual gifts, with money, with talented and intelligent and capable people. And it was a wonderful place and they were just about to explode and break up because people didn't know how to use their gifts. Now you're thinking, oh wait, how can you use your gift incorrectly? Well, sometimes you use your gift incorrectly by not using it. Sometimes you use it for the wrong motives. At other times you do it, you do it to serve self. You know, regardless of the gift, whether it be intellectual or emotional or physical or spiritual even, you can misuse it. And in the church, they were destroying the church because people with spiritual gifts were doing it incorrectly. There is a way that God wants you to use gifts, a way that honors him, a way that helps people to understand the gospel, a way that helps people in their hour of need. And the church at Corinth had missed that part of the sermon. So Paul wrote this letter, and you remember, when Paul wrote a letter, it was usually in response to what was going on. So when he talks about people using their gifts and how to use it correctly, that was the problem. So he writes some things there and says quite a few things, and we're going to talk about it, just a couple of those. And there are entire libraries and long books about spiritual gifts. So if you have questions, you may leave with some of them unanswered today. I'm like I said, I want to get you out before the game starts. So uh, I will not give you everything. 
but on screen are a couple of ideas about spiritual gifts. Look at verses 8 through 10 again, if you would. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, prophecy, the distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, going through a list of spiritual gifts, and the big one was tongues. Now, tongues is a bizarre thing. It is the ability to either speak in a foreign language you don't know so as to communicate, or the ability to speak in what is sometimes called an angelic language that cannot, cannot be understood except by an interpreter. In the early church, the goal was that in the church, there would be people who could speak a language they didn't know so that those who didn't speak their language would be able to hear the gospel. It was a useful and practical gift given by the Spirit. So those that had this gift would be able to just speak a foreign language. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Not everybody got to, but some could. So if someone came in from Asia and they didn't speak the Roman language, this gal could just stand up or this guy could just stand up and, and speak to them and they would hear and understand and hopefully receive Jesus. That was common those that had the gift of angelic language didn't understand. That gift was for their own personal edification to be done only alone or only if there were an interpreter. An interpreter would say, okay, this is what he just said through the Spirit. And it would usually be some kind of biblical teaching. And that was all according to order. And this is the way God wanted it. So what happened was people got together and the worship service was just bizarre because people were getting up and spouting off without any order. They weren't taking turns. They would have four or five people up at a time saying different things in different languages and then somebody over there would be doing their angelic thing. And now some of you may not know what that means. It sounds something like this and there are all sorts of kind of la 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 blah 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 la la la. You know, it's a, it's a bizarre thing and I can't really make sense of it. I'm not making fun of it either. It just sounds bizarre. It's gibberish to those of us who don't have that gift and cannot interpret. And visitors wanting to know what Jesus was all about would come to church and they would hear this stuff going on and they would go, wow, that is more than I want. And they would never come back. And this went on for months, evidently. And so all these people who wanted to know about Jesus couldn't get past that. So Paul took the opportunity to say, listen, brethren, you got to get it together. Now, he acknowledged all these kinds of gifts. You, know, you saw the list. There was wisdom and knowledge and tongues and prophecy. And those really aren't bizarre gifts. The gift of wisdom was simply the ability to understand how to live and act and how to help people. The gift of knowledge was the understanding that you could grasp the situation at hand and help apply God's word. The gift of prophecy was simply preaching and teaching God's word. So a lot of those, almost all of those gifts were very practical in nature. You didn't get them because you were smart. You got them because God gave them to you. Like I said, for the purposes of this sermon, I'm including talents and abilities. Some of you may not have what you would think would be a spiritual gift, but you can do stuff. For some, it's working with your hands. For others, it's crunching numbers. Why anyone would like to do that, I don't know, but some do that and they're good at it. Thank you, Bob, and others. 
you know, they crunch numbers and they could look at long columns and see the patterns and all those kinds of things. If you have an ability like that, God would say, use it. See if there's a way that God can do something with that. How can you help the church? How can you help people? How can you minister to others using your gift? Sometimes it doesn't seem very spiritual if you have those athletic abilities, like Patrick Mahomes or or any of those people, obviously gifted physically. Well, you may not be able to use those in church, but that doesn't mean you can't develop them and use them and give glory to God in the process. See, that's how that works. You do something, you gain credibility, maybe notoriety, maybe the ability to have relationships with people, and then somewhere through that, people say, wait, this, this guy's Christian. And there are many professional athletes who are Christian, and they're known for that. That's what God intends. Musicians, too. One of the other things on screen there is that it's not a test or a reward for faith. We saw from what was going on at the church at Corinth that just because someone has a spiritual gift doesn't mean that they are necessarily wise or spiritually mature. Because what was happening was people were exercising their gift in a way that hurt the church. It hurt people. It ran people off. It hurt people's feelings. Some of them got kind of uppity because I have this gift and you don't. And they would say things like that. And so they had to learn. There is a way to act as Christian when you exercise your gifts. And so he gave instructions. If you're going to speak in tongues, do it one at a time. That was one of those teachings. Very practical. Instead of a bunch of people whacking all the time, let one person at a time talk. If you have this angelic tongue... Don't do it unless you know there, there is an interpreter. Which meant you had to think about it. If you wanted to exercise your gift in a service, you would have to wait. And say, well, I mean, John's an interpreter. And you would go and ask John or whatever, would you interpret this? And if he said yes and you had an interpreter, then you had permission from God to go ahead and use that gift. You see how it was? Because God is a God of order, not chaos. And he wanted his people more than anything else. To reflect the fact that God is a, a God who loves and is gracious and provides order in a crazy world. And it didn't have to be rigid and uptight and there didn't have to be a bunch of rules. But there were some basic understandings that God wanted people to follow. Use what you've got. Use it in a way that honors God. That helps people understand the gospel. That maybe... Serves others. I talk about my daughter. Uh, she stumbled into this gift of hospitality. And I talk about her often. Because it's so amazing. Because if you would have known her growing up. You would have thought she was the last person. Who would want strangers in her house. She's very quiet and timid. When she's not angry. When she's angry. Watch out. But you know when she's not angry. She's very quiet and very passive. Just, just a real sweetheart. And she just opens up her doors. And yells out to the neighborhood. Come on. So we're going to go to a Super Bowl party tonight at her house. And Tammy and I are kind of cringing. Our idea of a great game is us two sitting there with food and the dogs and cat watching a game with, you know, all those things. And we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to do that with, I don't know who, probably 30 or 40 of my closest friends that I've never met before. And that's my daughter. She just brings anybody. We said, well, who's going to be there? I don't know. 
That was yesterday. You know, she just decided she's going to go to church today and anybody she bumps into, she's going to invite. Her wedding was like that. She just would invite people at the last minute. Hey, I'm getting married tomorrow. Why don't you come? And we had the craziest group of people ever. And it's this gift of hospitality. And she opens her doors and people come in. And she's kind of an outrageous Christian about it. In her very meek and quiet way. And, and that's a gift. I don't want to do that. I don't want all those people in my house. And, but it's a gift. My other daughter has the gift of administration. Which means she can run businesses. And she will someday run a business. Right now she's in charge without the title. In one of those places. When she was a kid, we give her an, uh, an offering. We would give her some money and allowance and things. And she would go to Walmart or the thrift store, which she loved. And she would buy, in fact, one time she bought a toy cash register and a toy credit card reader and office supplies. And she loved Staples, the store Staples, as a little girl. Talk about a weirdo. And she would buy this stuff. And we would go down and she would have... A Walmart line set up in her room and she would play Walmart all day long. Daddy, you want to play Walmart? No. You know, and, and, but she just loved that whole thing and so as her job now and she is a trained therapist and she ended up working as a director, I don't know her full title, at this crisis pregnancy center. Her job is to manage this thing and make sure that the little girls that come in who need help get help from the various agencies in our culture. So her job is to figure out how to argue with insurance companies and bureaucracies and fight through the fine print. And when a little girl comes in pregnant, and this is Christ with Pregnancy Center, and most of them are 13, 14 years old, she said, don't know a clue about life. Her job is to sit down with them, work through the issues, and then spend the rest of the day on the phone getting this gal lined up with help. She loves it. She gets it. They give it to her because no one else wants to do it. It is a miserable job. And she loves it. She's got the gift of administration. See how that works? Sometimes in a church you need that. Some of you have that gift. I've seen it. Others of you are like me. Ah, please no. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Gifts come in all shapes and sizes. You don't get it because you earn it. See verse 11? Just as he wills. Because the Holy Spirit chooses to give you that. It's a gift from God. You're thinking, well, I can't think of anything I can do. Well, you can probably do something. Your task, no matter who you are, is to find out where you fit. Sometimes you don't have any specific ability. You're just a body that can show up and, and smile and help people. And that is absolutely needed in almost everything the church does. So, one of the things God tells us is, I give you gifts. And the other thing on screen is this idea that God calls us to develop and exercise our gifts as an act of faith. In other words, find out what you can do and do it. Because you're Christian. Not just because you're bored. Not because it can pay the bills. Those are fine. But as an act of faith. Find out what you can do. In chapter 14, turn to that if you would. Read just one verse. Look at verse 26. Kind of summing up the whole section. 14, verse 26. What is the outcome then, brethren? 
when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. In other words, no matter what you can do, do it to help others. Do it to build up the name of God. Do it to help your church. Do it to help people. Sometimes you can get involved in ministries in the church, and that's great. Some of you may not fit in the ministries of the church. You know, not every church does everything. But you have an ability or a desire, and it's needed somewhere else. Find a place and serve. It is acceptable for Christians to do something for others in a non-Christian environment. You know, some people that think, think that Christians can only work in Christian ministries. And that's just a misunderstanding. The goal is to help people. And by the way, you can represent Christ even if it's not a Christian ministry. Because you are an individual who loves and wants to give. So God calls us to do that. So on screen are some ideas. I say God's will for you because I always think that. What does God want me to do? And I know some of you do think that too. I just wish God would tell me what to do. So here's some things. And I'm far, my I'm bad out of voice, so the sermon's almost over. You're going to get to the game. So here's an idea. Grasp the truth that Christ's followers are to be a servant people. God's will for you is to serve others. Doing what? Whatever you can do. Where? Wherever it needs to be done. When? Whenever it needs to be done. It may be convenient and exactly what you want. Or it may be just something that needs to be done. And whether you want to do it or not is not the issue. The issue is an act of obedience. God has given you an ability. There is a need. Will you fill that need? God wants that for everybody. Sometimes it'll get you on stage. Sometimes you'll get a title. At other times, you'll just get tired and dirty. It's okay. It's not about you. It's about God using you. The second idea, develop your gifts and abilities as much as you can. This is a lifetime effort. I love Nate. He was my guitar teacher so long ago. He's out there talking to Mike Cavanaugh. I'm going to have to talk to him. But... I went to his house one day to take a lesson, his guitar lesson, and Nate had already been an accomplished guitarist. You probably know this, but he was a session guitarist in Nashville at a very young age, which meant he was professional. He was really good, is really good. And he had done all that, and he was back in Independence with his young wife before baby, and he was giving lessons to old guys like me. And I walked in, and Blair answered the door, and she said, oh, he's back there playing music again. And so she took me back there to the room and he opened the door and he was standing there banging away on his guitar and he had a little CD player. And he was, Vince Gill was, you know who Vince Gill is, country music star, really good guitar player by the way, who was playing some incredibly difficult song I couldn't even hum. It was that difficult. And he was ripping through this guitar riff and just doing his thing. And there was Nate standing there playing this song with Vince Gill on the CD player. And he was practicing. She said, he's been playing, and Blair said, he's been playing that song over and over forever. And he was practicing. Folks, no matter who you are, you never stop learning. 
whatever your gift, keep doing it. Even if you're accomplished, keep learning and get better. That's what God wants you to do. So develop your abilities. Understand it's lifetime. I've preached about 150 times a year for 40 years. And I still pick up books on preaching. I don't like to watch preachers very well. But sometimes I do. But I do watch TED Talks and public speakers to see if there's something I can pick up or, or something I'm doing that's annoying and 